We, uh, this morning, are going to talk about Luke, uh, something that happened in Luke 19. Um, this is the chapter that was lined up to be our Palm Sunday um, chapter, but everything got, you know, obviously pushed back and mixed up. So we did talk a little bit about the triumphal entry over Palm Sunday. So this week, we're not actually going to talk about that. We're going to talk about a story that we only mention in kids' church. So, I don't know about you guys, but I really enjoy reading the Gospels, and especially the Gospel of Luke, because every time I do, I get challenged. I, it, it makes me uncomfortable, because I get really, I get sort of in a groove with, with, my, with my faith and with Jesus. Like, it all makes sense. I have them in my box, and, you know, I've got everything in its place, and then Jesus comes out and says something else, and he just busts open that box. But... The thing is, we are culturally Western, modern, 21st century Americans. And we really like our categories. We really like our boxes. Everything makes sense. uh, We're we're very loud about it. You know, we've got our Christian box and our atheist box. We've got our, our Catholic box and our Protestant box. We have our conservative box and our liberal box. Even breaks it down even more with our Trump box and our anti-Trump box. We've got, we've got boxes for, for those who know the Star Wars prequels were garbage and for those who are still in denial. We've got boxes for everything. But Jesus doesn't fit in any of our boxes. Although Jesus, I'm pretty sure, knew that the Star Wars prequels were garbage. He had, anyway. He, Jesus doesn't fit in any of these sort of modern sensibilities, no matter how much we try to stuff him in. And we all want him on our side. That's the thing. Who doesn't want Jesus as their poster boy? I mean, everybody tries to claim him. The the radicals (laughs) try to claim him, you know. The mystics say Jesus was a mystic. The, The moralists say Jesus was like us, you know. The liberals say he was a liberal. The conservatives say he was a conservative. Like we all want him as our poster. You know what's funny? Even the people who don't like or don't believe in Jesus, they still like him. They still want him to be their guy. But he doesn't fit in any of these modern categories. And, and every time you think that, oh, we're grooving, like, yeah, we, he gets me, you know, then he does something or says something to kind of mess that up. And that's why I think it's important for us as, uh, as believers especially to read through the Gospels, to actually make a priority of reading the Gospels in Scripture. Because if we are following this man, we really need to be familiar with the way he rolls. Um, And so I think this is the most crucial part of of the Bible for us believers to be dwelling in. Um, So here's a a big example of what I'm talking about, though. We we talked a couple of weeks ago about the, the parable of the prodigal son. And we talked about grace going in all directions. Grace 360, right? It's going everywhere. It's going to the prodigal. It's going to his brother. And we see Jesus roll that way so often. Like he just has so much grace and compassion for people. And for bringing in the outsider and those who have really blown it and pulling them close and loving them. And if we're not careful, we could easily take that tendency that we see in him and put it in our modern American box that says basically this, that says grace pushes away the need for transformation. 
that if there's grace, then suddenly there's, there's no necessity to do anything about your behavior. Now, that's a very American kind of thing because we value our autonomy and our individuality more than anything. And so for us, we, the highest good, you know, is to pull somebody in and say, you're just you, you just be you. And, and, and Jesus is like, well, you know, individuality is cool and all, but I want you to follow me. I want you to be an imitator of me. So he's valuing something that we don't tend to value all that much. So we might, we might think though that his, the, you know, his modus operandi is just come as you are, just stay as you are. And that's just, and, and I think when I read the story of Zacchaeus, I remember that that's not actually the case. Now here's Zacchaeus. What do we know about this guy? We know that he was a wee little man and a wee little man was he. I'm gonna pause and let that song, all of you guys who have your kids with you, just fill the room, that irritating song. Just let, I can hear you kids louder. It's beautiful, isn't it? A wee little man. I think kids really relate with this story because Zacchaeus was short and he liked to climb trees. And kids are short, by and large, and they like to climb trees. So you see, even kids want to put the stories in their own box. It's sort of a human tendency we have, I think. Um, But it's actually quite a profound story. So let's read the beginning of Luke 19, uh, the first few verses there. Starts with, he, Jesus, entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking uh, to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. So he ran ahead and he climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. So, who was this Zacchaeus? Well, he was not a delightful little cherub of a man who wanted to climb a tree. That's that's not who he was. He was a a rich and powerful and very unlikable dude. He he was a tax collector. And as we mentioned a couple of weeks ago, that's not an IRS agent of the day. A tax collector back in the day was somebody who worked with the Roman government, the the very oppressive Roman Empire against the oppressed people of Israel. So he's already aligned himself there and he is reaping all the financial and powerful benefits. So he is, he's a tax collector working against his own people, but he's so good at his job that he's been promoted to a chief tax collector. So he is a very rich man and he has tons of power and people do not like him because as they all knew, these tax collectors, the way that they got rich was by taking more for themselves. So he wasn't only a turncoat, he was a thief and he was robbing uh, oftentimes very poor people. So there's a reason he he was not liked. But even this man with his giant house and his horrible reputation, even this man is interested in Jesus. And when he finds out he's coming, he's got to see him. So he climbs this tree just to, catch a, just to catch a glimpse, right? So Jesus sees him hanging from the tree. I can't prove this part, but I am sure Jesus was laughing when he saw this. I just can't imagine it any other way. Jesus uh, uh, looks up, we'll go back to, to the scripture here. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down for I must stay at your house today. Do you love it when Jesus like totally invites himself and his entire entourage to somebody's house? Like he had to be laughing at this, right? The whole thing is just funny to me. So he, Zacchaeus, hurried and came down 
and received him joyfully. Now you won't see this in your, in your Bible, but in the deep Greek, here's what happens. He comes down the tree and then he runs like crazy with a big dumb grin on his face, right? And, and, and he, he knows his wife is gonna be a little irritated. So he runs home and he tells her, Jesus is coming, Jesus is coming. And, and she's like, what? Jesus and all those people, the whole bunch of people coming over for, for dinner. And she's like, you're kidding me. Now she, she didn't have time to make a meal so she has to do the unthinkable, like they're big on hospitality, right? She does the unthinkable. She goes and picks up Costco lasagnas. Sorry, Pastor Joshua. I know that's not your favorite way to host people, but she has to do it. And she picks up jalapeno poppers for appetizers because they want to they have multiple, you know, phases of their dinner. And they, they get dinner. They go over to the sweet life and, and they pick up like, you know, tiramisu layer cake. And, and, and so they're ready and they're excited and they get the music and then finally Jesus and his people come and they're dancing and people are eating it up. They loved the lasagna, thank you very much. It was very good. And, <laughs> and so it's a party and everybody's having a great time. And here's Zacchaeus, like, I can't believe Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth, like this incredible rabbi is in my house. Everybody's having a good time except for the crowd, the onlookers. They, when they saw it, they all grumbled and said, he has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. You'd think they would have been used to this by now because we've seen this happen over and over. Jesus loves to have dinner parties. Jesus will eat with anyone. We've seen this throughout his story. It doesn't matter who they are. The good people, his dear friends like Mary, Martha, and Lazarus or, or you know, the, the villains of the story, the Pharisees. He goes over and eats with Pharisees. And he goes and, and, and eats with people of, you know, very questionable reputation all the time. And they're still upset. They're upset this time he's eating with this chief tax collector. So at these dinner parties, of course, Jesus would tell stories we don't have details of what stories he told here, but he would tell stories and he would teach because you wanted a rabbi to come into your house to sort of soak in all that he had. So I don't know what he said specifically, but probably he was telling stories of the kingdom of God because that's what he always did. Um, telling about that this new thing he was bringing was going to be different, it was going to be better, and, uh, and to, to turn and, and, and to embrace himself as the king and embrace the kingdom. I don't know what specifically he heard, but Zacchaeus then, you know, somewhere in the midst of, of this dinner, he stands up, he clinks his glass, and he makes an announcement. Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. I wonder if everything got really quiet when he said that. I wonder if Zacchaeus' wife dropped a platter. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house since he's also a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. Do you remember the rich young ruler that Pastor Joshua talked about last week? The rich young ruler... It, I find it interesting that these stories are so close together because what happened there is fascinating and it's sort of similar what happened here but with different results. 
What happened there, you remember, this man had many possessions and Jesus said if you want to enter the kingdom to basically give it all away and he couldn't do it. He couldn't bring himself to do it because he had so many possessions. And Jesus makes the comment, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. That was only 20 some verses before this story. And I wonder, I wonder, I heard somebody suggest this one time and I think it might have been right. I wonder if Jesus after Zacchaeus stands up and makes this proclamation that he's totally turning away from, from his wickedness, I wonder if Jesus turned and said to Peter, a camel just passed through the eye of a needle. I wonder. What was different about these two guys? Because they were both very wealthy and they both were, you know, obviously saw and heard and received the challenge of the, of the kingdom of God. Zacchaeus heard the call and he knew his need and he turned away from his allegiances. He turned away from all the things that would rival Jesus. And for him, just like with a rich young ruler, it was money, it was possessions. It was, it was having many, many things. Now there's a reason that Jesus so often throughout the book of Luke tells us, woe, you know, he says, woe to those who are rich, uh, uh, things like that. He, he gives all kinds of warnings for love of money. And the reason is, is because money is a very sticky thing. It's very sticky. And, and, and as, you, as you gain possessions and as you gain uh, more and more, uh, just, you know, again, in our sort of like American dream kind of box today, it's very easy for those things to get in the way of your view of Jesus himself. It's very, very easy for you to start to serve that thing instead of him. And the rich young ruler, that's exactly what happened. He could not get there because those things were too big. He couldn't give his allegiance to a king like Jesus because his allegiance was already with his wealth. Ah, see, but Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus was different. He heard and he knew his need and he felt the truth of it and he knew that it was right and good to turn his allegiance from his wealth to Jesus. With God's help, Jesus said, even that can happen. Even somebody who's so hung up and, and worships his money, even his heart can be turned and he can enter the kingdom. I love what Jesus said there. He didn't come to just seek the lost, but to save. He came to seek and save the lost, to save them from the idols of their own hearts. You see, again, Jesus will eat with anybody and that's something we all need to see and to learn from, to, to embrace and to welcome, you know, uh, and to not push people away no matter how heinous their sin or how different they are. That's who he was. That's the seeking part. But does he require something of us? Does Jesus actually require something of us? The answer seems to be undoubtedly yes, he does. Because all throughout the book of Luke, he's also challenging people to repent, to turn away from their allegiances and to give their allegiance to the king and to the kingdom. Because all of us have things that we're holding on to. We can have allegiances uh, when he comes to us. And, and, and you can't very well accept the grace that he wants to give if your hands are full of idols. And that's what he confronted the rich young ruler with and with Zacchaeus with. That's what he confronts. And for each of us, I think he comes and he says, will you turn? Will you repent? Will you get off the throne of your own heart? Will you take off, take the things that you have been clinging to, the things that you have been essentially worshiping, all those idols 
And will you take them off and will you embrace me as king? That's what it means to repent. It's, it's a change in, in, it's not saying I'm sorry. Repentance is a change in loyalty. I know, in modern America, again, we want to say grace, 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 and assume that means all you have to do is just, oh, just come and be yourself. And he, he just thinks you're so cute and cuddly. He does love you like he's a dad. Like he does want to come and give you a new, but he also wants to say, listen, I love you and I cannot let you perish in the way that you're living. Part of grace is that challenge to turn and to repent. Now, maybe for you, it's not money at all. Maybe it's something else entirely because we have other things in our culture, not just money. You know another thing our culture worships? Sex. We value in the West, we think it's a very high value to have sexual freedom and free sexual expression and to, to express ourselves however we want to and that's an innate part of our human freedom. And Jesus says, hey, give me that. He says, give me that. Because you can't serve both Jesus and sexuality. You can't. You can't. Another thing that, that he might challenge us with is our desire for power, whether that's influence, whether that's social media influence and, 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 and wanting to be seen and admired or climbing the corporate ladder. Or maybe it's in a group. Maybe it's power in a group. Like, like political think, you know, like the, the political spirit that says, I want to be in the right group that gets the power. I want to be in the group that wins the election. I want to be so, in, we get, we, 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 you know, just get pulled into these bigger things. So it's power in a group or individual, whatever it is, whether it, whether it's possessions or experience or, or power, Jesus says, give me that. <laughs> now here's the thing. Zacchaeus knew that repentance, it hurts, but it's actually beautiful. And you need to pay attention to, to his response because this was not a sorrowful thing. The rich young ruler walked away in sorrow, but Zacchaeus knew that this was a good trade. He knew it was a good trade. And so he did it without any inhibition. He did it in front of everyone. He turned and salvation came to his house. I want to tell you that uh, wherever you are today, maybe you've never really accepted Jesus. Maybe you've been one who's hung out and, and had, had tiramisu layer cake with Jesus because he's come to seek everybody. But have you followed him? Have you turned away? Have you turned away from your old allegiances and put your faith in him? It's when we do that that salvation comes to our house. But I think for the rest of us, maybe we have been following him. I think it's right and good that we look inside our own hearts and say, are there challengers to your throne, Jesus? Are there challengers? Because I don't want there to be any challengers. I really want you to be king and to put aside these other things that might pull my heart away from you. And that's what I want to challenge you guys with. So I want to take a minute, just take a minute and search your own hearts. The Holy Spirit, we invite you to come and look deeply in us. Lord, we ask you to show us the places where our hearts can easily slide away from you and toward the things that we desire.
Help us to see those things, Lord. And we pray that you would help us to open up our hands and give them to you fully and completely without reservation because you are the king and you are really, really good and full of grace and we thank you for that. We praise you in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. If you guys need prayer, normally we would invite you forward, but you can't be here. So we invite you to, to, uh, uh, put a, to tell us in the link there, uh, in, in the, the, the Facebook thread, or text us. We would love to pray with you if you need prayer for anything. Uh, thank you guys for continuing to walk faithfully after Jesus. We love you very much. Have a wonderful week.